folks welcome in pro football ireland wednesday morning you know what it is now it's it's, it's here's three weeks in a row scala the nfl we've we've made it to the third week in a row james 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 uh first off welcome in and another great weekend in in, in in the nfl but i'm i'm starting to enjoy our tuesday morning whatsapps they're nice like, i feel like you break down the league for me in short form in like a minute it's great yeah I, 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 I don't really mince words. I haven't got time for bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> after, a, after a devastating loss that we've suffered again, you know, again, in, in, in abysmal fashion, mind you, I think if everyone who listens to the show knows that I'm, I'm speaking, referencing the Patriots specifically. Um, yes, the, when you ask me a question about the Patriots, I give you a one, if not two-word answer to describe the, the performance and where we're going from here. So please forgive my, forgive my vernacular. Yeah, if people aren't aware, James is a Patriots fan, uh, and we will we will go into the information on the Patriots later on in this episode. James, great to have you along again. We're chatting to a few boys on Sunday. They're listening to the podcast, they're enjoying it. So great crack. Happy days. Loving it. Loving it. Um Mark Mark Hogan. Uh obviously Mark first off, mate. I, I didn't do Irish past first year in school, so I can't remember how to say happy birthday in Irish, but there you go. Happy birthday. Oh, I appreciate it. Jeez, I, I could have sworn you, you do. When you bring Michael over to London, James, he tries to speak Irish to every English person he can. I don't know if it's to confuse him or to show that's off. That's complete you're lies. Something. That is total lies, Mark. You know that's lies. Re- I'll retract get a that video. Statement. I'll get a video this time. That's that's my next piece of content when I go to London, catching Michael McQuaid doing the, the couple of fuggle. I see you waiting. In fairness, I have to say to you, Mark, I, I caught your video on Twitter of, of the, uh, how would I say it, a day in the life of the media going to an NFL game in London. And I'm all for it. I want more of it. I want to see more. He, <laughs> yeah, didn't, show you, he, 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 he didn't show you the pints at 5am, James. Uh, <laughs> funny enough I, I have a text speaking of WhatsApp so I have a WhatsApp from you saying here what time are you will I will I order you one so I was not the bad influence I tell you that much alright <laughs> so what you're telling me is you have written proof well I was basically the visitor driving down to Dublin a bit like yourself James if, if like you know you know like me Dublin's a track it's a track and a half like yeah, and like I, I don't know what it's got to do when you have children. Like it just, it just seems like an ordeal, doesn't it? <laughs> like when you get so used to from here on the west coast, you have Shannon, and it's just literally in out, park the car, walk two hundred yards, and you're sitting down with a pint. It's like that's just, it's just maybe, yeah, it's just convenient. That's where I'm getting at. I'm just, I'm a dad now, you see. So it's just I want things easy. I don't want stress. Well, here I've I've no wins, and I'm, and I feel the exact same. And look, I'll I'll say this, and I'll say it more. Flying out of Belfast Sunday morning for this Bills game, and there is a bar, and there is a, a little robot that orders and delivers your drink, and it's went viral online. Mark's looking very confused. There is a robot that delivers your pints, so I'll send you all the video on Sunday. But very excited to see the robot again. And yes, Mark, we somehow have higher technological advances than Dublin Airport in one element at least. But uh, let's talk football, Mark. You, you start us off. I don't know. I, I'm still getting over it. It's like Wembley Stadium. They have an Amazon shop, which I was told you walk in, you never meet a cashier and you just log into your Amazon again. I, yeah, I don't know. You take the man out of Ireland now. But, that could be uh, hard yeah, for you boys. <laughs> 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 yeah, we hardly, we hardly have Amazon over here. You're dead right. No, it was... Um, 
a lot of games just went and I suppose there was a few storylines out of them. I think we're going to dive in first with the Giants because you had to talk about that 11 sack performance. From my yeah. point of view, I think it was a marker down from the Seattle, Seahaw- Seattle Seahawks. They were off to a very ropey start. I know in the power rankings myself, it absolutely influenced where they were. They go up. It's kind of funny. Like I don't. I think they only had five sacks through their first three games, so it completely inflates what happened. But when you look at the Giants, it seems this is forever happening. That like, especially since Daniel Jones has been there. I know Chandler Jones basically got a massive contract off the back of two years of getting at least three sacks on Jan- Daniel Jones. It's like. I, look, I'm not going to say that the most solid offensive line to begin with, but like when it rains, it absolutely pours, James. Yeah, and like I, when I when I after last night's game, obviously the the number eleven was quite apparent, uh, nearly historic at this stage. So I got onto Google to find out what was the record, and it's fourteen. You know, and, and they've hit three then three times, and the Giants have been involved in two of those games. But it feels like the Giants have been trying to solve their offensive line for about. Eight, nine seasons, and they haven't got it. Like it goes back to time. Just I just remember when they took Nate Solder from the Patriots and took our left tackle, and I was thinking this is signing him for a three-year, I think, eighty-two million at the time, which was huge money. And that has been the situation. They've they've invested first-round picks, you know. And I I just looked at one of their picks last night, Evan Neal. He's there a couple of years, the right tackle, and it was so strange to see an offensive lineman being so slow. I would be stunned that he didn't get any pressure. Any pressure on Matthew whatsoever, and he blew by him and got to Daniel Jones. Like I feel sorry for Jones. I know everyone is looking at at uh, the, the, the I suppose the interaction between himself and Duvall on the sideline with the tablet, etc. You know, and rightfully so, it's a, it's a click point. But like he's under ferocious pressure. He's he's I don't have the stats right, but he's surely the most pressurized quarterback in the league, or at least the top three. He has to be. Ha- I think Mac Jones is up there. Like the way Joe Burrow is, is playing the way as well, you'd have questions over him. But surely he's hitting. 40, 45% of his, of his snaps are, are pressurized. And like it's very hard for a quarterback, especially when you have one of the highest paid tight ends of the league acting specifically as a blocker for the whole day. They lined up last night, not with five-man lines, six. Some, they actually, at one stage, they had seven offensive linemen on, on, the, on the field trying to protect him, and they still couldn't get it done. Still, there, was a, there was a one-on-three situation for Seattle last night, and Seattle blew through three offensive linemen because they got their... They got the the, the the change up completely wrong, and I mean, how are you supposed to how are you supposed to actually make plays, make yards, you know, influence big games against professional teams when you've got that kind of protection? So I feel sorry for the kid. You know, I do like him. He's like he's by all accounts like he's uh, he's been under ferocious pressure by media because we know what New York is like, and uh, he seems like an honest an honest fellow that, that that has no trouble off the field. And this is where I kind of I get to like these guys. You know what I mean? Because they're they seem like good people trying trying to do what they can do. With, with the, the little assets they, that they have and then couple that with losing your running back which seems to be more more than frequent so yeah he's got a tough situation in New York and you know he's going to be under pressure for the next couple of weeks and more you know, I'm, gl- I'm glad that you said that he's a nice guy because it did remind me to calm down now for a second because he actually does seem cool and like any behind the scenes videos you see he did a cool I don't know promo maybe he was with ESPN when he was in like a shopping centre this year selling New York Giants t-shirt that was kind of nice but I will say I don't feel sorry for him because <laughs> You know, it, but it's speaking. Look, I always, often say this: I don't play offensive line. I don't know the intricacies of it. There's a lot to it. But one thing I do know from following this, from talking to people, is that the quarterback makes the offensive line look better. Green Bay 
was fantastic with Aaron Rodgers. He made a lot of people money. Drew Brees made a lot of people money. Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning made people money. Tom Brady, the best quarterbacks are good because they can put the offensive line into protection. They can read the defense and call an audible. They can shift what side they need protection on. Yeah. And we've seen that from the best player. And that's why, like, Tom Brady, like, going up to a line of scrimmage or, yeah, you're Drew Brees, you're Matt Rines. Like, it was always so fun to watch them. And that's what, like, like the most casual of fans know the NFL for. That's when Peyton Manning, like, that's when they decided we need to mic up the offensive line a bit more. And I know Madden obviously had something to do with it, but it was because he was going up and, like, tapping people on the butt and saying, this is what I need you to do. Daniel Jones has not displayed that. And an even simpler way of looking at it is Saquon Barkley. I know there's a difference between run and pass blocking, but like, how can you have a running back be so successful with Saquon Barkley last year versus like a Daniel Jones that's behind the same line, just like falls apart. It's it's on him as well to set the protection. And that's why I can't feel sorry for him because he's not setting the protection. And it's like, you can't blame that on everyone else. I agree with you. Like, and normally when I hear um, types of arguments around certain players, and like you named Brady, Manning, Rogers, and Breeze, Potentially four, well, obviously, there's no potentially, they are four of the greatest quarterbacks the game has ever seen, you know? So, and I I, I put that aside and go, yeah, that, that's what we expect. We expect after my fully get it, you know? But there has to be an understanding, too, that, like, the pressure he he exuded last night, I'm just talking, you know, last night, okay, let's go to the first four games. It's not normal, Mark. It's just not normal, you know? Like, how can you go with seven events in Lyman and then blow protection three on one? I mean, Come on, like, I'm not trying to be overly hard. I I would be a lot harder on Zach Whitson, which we might touch on later on. No, being Daniel Jones, I would be personally, because like I I, I expect you know uh, with the, with the time that Wilson has got, like he's been sacked seven. Sorry, I'm not, I know I'm jumping ship for a second now, right? But like Wilson has been sacked seventy-seven times, right, in in his career so far. And if you look at Wilson, a, a lot of that is on himself on complete delays. Whereas Jones just seems just doesn't seem to have time. Now maybe I'm incorrect in my assessment. Maybe I'm kind of semi-biased because the Jets are in my division. But it looks like Wilson has all the time in the world sometimes and still makes really, really bad reads. And uh, you know, get sacked. Like but it's, uh, so maybe I have a soft spot for Daniel Jones. I put my hands up on that one. Okay. Well, I'll like f- feel free to jump back to Zach Wilson in a second, but I, I really wanted to add to sort of what 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 Mark and yourself said. You know, I remember last year in terms of the discussion pre-last season where it was like Daniel Jones is going to have to have an MVP caliber season to stay in New York. He had a great season. I still don't think he should have stayed. $160 million for him is crazy. Ago. But I oh. totally agree with you. Like last, on, on Monday night, like like he had, I think, like under 1.2 seconds or something at, at certain points of free time. He was completely screwed the minute the ball went to him. The the pocket just completely collapsed. He, nobody could have stopped. Like Patrick Mahomes could have done one of his wee FIFA throws or Madden throws and hoped for the best. But he was destined to fail from the minute that went on on Monday night. And personally for me, like the way that they all reacted I thought was quite poor. Just like, you know, the like losing look, I I look I I I understand obviously in sports, James like in the heat of the moment, things can be said. There's, there's obviously up, up and down moods and stuff. But you know, I, I watched the game back this morning. It was the first game I didn't stay up for, and I thought to myself, Do you know what? Should I stay up and watch Daniel Jones? And after London, I thought I'll take a little Advil and I'll go to bed at eleven o'clock. And by God, by seven o'clock, I woke up and I felt like a king. Um, yeah. watched it and I thought, 
he's been he's been done he's been hard done by there high but uh, i will say in people's defense opposite the pick six was was, was shocking it was atrocious like me or you could have been standing there and we're like all right sure here look yeah, like especially at the time and the position the distance they traveled it's just oh three wrongs don't make a right it was so poor um and i understand the say coaching staffs and i i would watch professional sports uh, particularly now in the NFL and I would sometimes feel God the coaching staff are extremely hard on the players but that's probably just me coming from an amateur mindset whereby man management is crucial in, in trying to mould amateurs and mould a group together where people have their own lives etc whereas in professionals this is your job boy this is what you're paid to do you're paid millions of dollars to do this so I, when I first watched the ball, the ball um, kind of basically cuss out Jones I was kind of going mm, I, can, I can see it but then I started to think the effect or the impact that has on the team as a whole, when you look at your main guy, your highest paid player, obviously, your, your, your leader, in the most difficult position, I'm saying, what kind of message does that send out? Now, look, everyone's accountable, don't get me wrong, but I would just personally prefer that accountability to be applied indoors. So I mean, that's, when they get back to the facility today, tomorrow, whenever it is, then rip them a new one. Have at them in team meetings, go at it. Everyone is free game. But just publicly, I just think it puts probably an over probably too much pressure on Daniel Jones. There's going to be pressure on him, obviously, right? But when the coaches start, you know, giving the media uh, things to talk about, here we are, you know, it, just, it constantly puts Jones and ball in the spotlight for every single instant now. Whenever he throws a pick now, cameras, it's going to be straight on ball, and it's just going to try put some uh, unnecessary pressure, I think, on Jones. So I, I personally don't agree with it in, in public, but I'm all for it behind closed doors. Like you, Again, he's paid monumental amount of money to make the good decisions and make the big plays and be the best player on the team. And yes, at times he's not doing that. The pick six was utterly shocking, you know. But I still think it was the second worst pick six of the weekend. I think you know who the, who the worst was. <laughs> Mac Jones. Jesus Christ. What was he doing throwing across his body? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry for the language, gentlemen. I know I'm shifting on again. No My harm with that. That, that. that could genuinely be the Instagram reel of the week if, if we have the... Uh... Go ahead on that. That was 10 out of 10. If, look, if if Josh Allen throws that ball or Justin Herbert, right, it might get there because they've got the arm strength. We know why Mac Jones doesn't have the arm strength. So so my four-year-old daughter would loop a ball like he did there. <laughs> and I gave all the time for the, for the Cowboys defense to come up and grab it. I mean, it was so deflating and disappointing. That's why you look at the game, you got 38 points. Well, our defense didn't give it away. You know, our defense gave away, obviously, two-thirds of that, but our offense gave away plenty of points. And that that tick peak was just for eleven year three. Oh God, give me strength! <laughs> give me strength. Yeah, but I'm not giving up just yet. You said last week with the Broncos, I give up. No, no, I'm not giving up. Can't do it. In Bill, I trust. Okay. I mean, we might as well talk about the Patriots now because we can't get your mind off them. We are going to talk about the rest of the division later on. Actually, just coincidentally, <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be on purpose. But it's so funny because when you say it wasn't the defense that gave it up. I, I said I take this week off mentioning the same guys that I keep on mentioning, but I have to do it now because Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez both injured. We don't know how long they're going to be out. It's a shoulder for um for that Gonzalez, is- the rookie cornerback who was playing like out of his skin. Could have been like even up there, dare I say, up there with all pros. That's how impressive he was. And then Judon's out with a bicep. I don't. I I didn't find Who's- what the timeline on the injury like, is like that. Now? Yeah, he's out two months confirmed then Galeras has got a labral tear in his shoulder. That's a minimum six weeks. Oh, that's brutal. So it's like they were your linchpins. Mm. Yeah. And, and look, Martin, other teams... Three Jones as it is. 
Yeah. So See, look, Pre Jones is like your secondary's gone now. We're we're going to talk about the Dolphins and the Bills in a minute, but I will bring up the Bills lost Tre'Davious White, an absolute standout cornerback. Teron Armstead is out for the Miami Dolphins. The, the Jets have obviously lost Aaron Rodgers already. No one's going to feel sorry for New England losing two of its best players. It only levels the playing field. But like, ah, oh, from from a, from a neutral perspective, I love watching the defense because I love seeing what Bill Belichick or just the coaching staff is getting out of them. But it's like that is a hammer blow. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and like we lost. Uh, I, I was I struggled to pronounce his name. Ukulele, 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 or I can't pronounce his name. You know, he's uh, like one of the most academians last week. So now, and we remember we released Carol Davis at the start of the season. So now we're down three defensive starters on long-term injuries. Like if you're missing six weeks to two months, that's long-term. That's six, seven games. That's that season, season-defining. That's either in or out. And then the Jones is hoping to be back. But you're basically, on, in the second half, fourth quarter, we were down five defensive starters, six defensive starters, excuse me. That's just way too much. You're over 50%. So, and like you are, you're, you're talking about a defensive-minded coach, a defensive-schemed coach who builds heavily and invests in his defense heavily. Now we're losing pieces left, right, and center. And it's just, where I was looking at the, Schedule. I was thinking, God, we've got like we've got the Saints, we've got the Raiders, Dolphins, and Bills. It's hard to see how best case scenario we don't come out of that three and five. You know, in, in reality speaking, uh, in reality speaking, um, I'd be expecting to win the next two games because the opposition aren't exactly shooting the lights out. Two two quarterbacks who can can turn over the ball. So I'm hoping we get to three and three. But then you got two two big guns. The Dolphins coming up too. So nothing simple in this league. The worst defeat of Bill Belichick's career in New England. Um, I was waiting for which one you say it. I, I have to say, and I, I don't want to touch, you know, you touch on the defense there, and there's a few reasons why there. Like, I mean, as a fan, does that concern you? Um, it did concern me, but I suppose my nature, when I watch the Patriots, I'm trying to find the positives. I'm trying to find some kind of positives, and I'm saying, yes, when you look at the, the, the margin of defeat, you automatically point to defense. And you go, wow, how was there 35 points in the difference? Um, how did the defense give up so much? But as I said, like the, the offensive did not help them whatsoever. Get turning over the ball continuously, and they just can't put the ball in good field position. And unfortunately, the defense are spending too much bloody time with the pitch. <laughs> Simple as that, you know. Like I was, I grew up going accustomed to every drive with the Patriots lasting six to eight minutes, and the defense beyond the beyond the sideline getting it much to rest. Um, so it is concerning. I, I suppose the offense concerns me much more because there's no receiver. There's no scheme. There's no route running. The run game is okay. That would say to me, um, opposition defenses are concerned. They're not. Because if you look at all the big players, what's with the FC? Mahomes and Kelly. Right? So then you come along and you go to Foro, although he's not shooting the lights out half with Higgins and Chase. And then you move along then. And like you can go to, like as I said, Tua with, with Hill and Waddle. And there's just so many weapons, Adam, with Diggs and Davis and Knox. And you've got there's so many weapons left, right, and center. And we just don't seem to have that standout guy and like I know Hunter Henry is all, he's doing okay Gazeki's doing okay Juju I've, I've no faith in him whatsoever I'm four games in the season and I am done with him I'm finished with him I just I never liked him when he was in Pittsburgh Um, I just don't like people who, who go about antics on the pitch more than they do or off the pitch more than they do on the pitch so he's not for me couldn't believe Kansas you know took him when they took him Um, and I left when I always see players coming from, from good teams to New England I question Right, why did the good teams let them go? That's the question I've always asked. Why would why would Kansas let Juju go? Especially when they obviously didn't have Hill the same year. So then I started getting lamb, lamb buzzering and saw, look at, 
I know I'm probably ranting and touching down on the Patriots because I'm passionate about it, but there is slight concern. But if we can somehow, somehow now, I say this with fingers crossed, get to four and four after week eight, I'll take that. I'd happily take that. But again, I'm trying, I'm trying to live in the world of realism. <laughs> there's there's a couple of different things that you mentioned there. I'm glad that you brought up Juju because you look at the New England Patriots and they just have no explosive player. Like, at, at a stretch, I guess, it's Ramondi Stevenson, who obviously, like, is a great running back, whatever. But, like, when you look at the receiving core and all like that, and it's like, yeah, obviously they had, when you're talking about those long drives, they had Rob Gronkowski, they had Randy Moss in the past. But it's like this stubbornness that Bill has gone with that, like, he doesn't want a flashy player. And we've talked about how they haven't been able to find a wide receiver in the draft, but they haven't been able to find a wide receiver. Like, you know, I know this has gone on for years now. Obviously, they had Julian Edelman, and Julian Edelman came out of nowhere. Danny Amendola could be the same. The guys in more recent years, like Scotty Miller, you know, Chris Hogan, that, like, were one-season wonders but worked perfectly. But it's that that isn't happening anymore. And we kind of, we I suppose we never gave them, you know, massive praise and credit we were always in awe that these guys were performing but we understood that they're one year rentals but i suppose last year they got um miami dolphins i can't think of his name right now but obviously came to play in new england wide receiver from yeah Devontae parker um and and juju this year and it just seems like they don't have that explosion and i'm glad that you're frustrated because it's not like you're just buying in for the sake that they're just a patriot that you're gonna believe in them it's like you know, the matchup, like, I suppose we, we say it then for Kansas City, like, how did Kansas City get it done when, yeah, they had you, and we we're like, last year, obviously, the storyline was what wide receivers is Patrick Mahomes have to throw to. Well, at least it's Patrick Mahomes that you can elevate anyone, but it's like, I suppose you have to give that to Mac Jones, so whatever about his arm ability that you're rightly saying, but it's like, you don't have explosion on the offense to begin with. You know, you're just hoping that your tight ends are there. So it's like, from that point of view, it's frustrating because Bill O'Brien, you know, we're all excited to see what he can do with the offense. And it's it's probably very little because there's not a lot of, there's not enough pieces to work with. Yeah, and I agree. And I, I, I'd always look at an offense and say, right, can you can you get provide an offense on the field that can give you width and depth? And if you can get width and depth, you can open teams up, teams up with, with your tight ends. And right now we can't get width and depth because we don't have... Our one-on-one receiver is Devontae Parker. He's the guy you're expecting to go up one-on-one, try Master Feather, bring down the ball. But the percentages of that happening, you know, like like Chase does, like like CD Lamb does, or Jefferson does, is way less with Devontae Parker. You know, so then so then that's where we struggle with our depth in in terms of our explosive speed, whether it's Thornton or Douglas, it's not there. It's, it's just not there. Like we, I just think when when we take off, uh, let's say and we do a just post run, Mac Jones can't find him. He just it's, it's overthrown, underthrown, it's looped. It's just the pieces to try and provide an effective system aren't all there together. I fully agree with you, Mark, with regards to Mark, uh, Patrick Mahomes. He's a guy that can bring your receivers up 20, 25% easily. Look what they did with all the drops when they got beaten in game one, was it? Um, so it's like, what's the, what's the fix? And I, to be honest with you, I don't have the, I don't have the answer. I, I, don't, yeah. I, I think you have to try and develop a scheme that best suits the people the personnel you have because you can't make... Mac Jones into Patrick Holmes, it's not going to happen. He's not, he doesn't have the tools. And likewise with your receivers, you can't make them into Jefferson and Chase. So try, again, it's run game. It's powerball with the Patriots has been for the last couple of years and see where it takes it. But like, I'm happy if we're competitive to a degree, but right now, not even competitive. So we weren't, we weren't competitive uh, like, like the, on Sunday night, which is the biggest concern for me. I, I can take a team that plays well and gets defeated. You know, 
I cannot take a team who plays terrible in every phase of the ball and gets defeated. As in that usual huge, huge cause for concern. So yeah, look, it, you know, it's a tough run to come, and it's hard to see where the answer is going to come from. But it's look, it's tough. But you've got to be tough with it. I feel like one of the answers did provide itself last year and the Jags hopped on board. It's like, why didn't they go for Calvin Ridley? Look, I know Calvin Ridley had his own catch concerns and you're kind of worrying with Jacksonville bar week one, how he was going to perform. But I'd love to see if they'd taken a chance on a guy like that. Like, he could be fantastic in this offense this year. Like, the Jags had some forward thinking of doing it last year with its gambling and all that. He had the suspension to fill out. But it's like, now it's just like, why don't they have a player like that? Like, he was available. Everyone would have known he was available. You asked... But no, but sorry, I, go on. Sorry, I read in, in Boston Sports Hub last year when um, when the thing came out about Ridley that it's something to do with Robert Kraft, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. It goes back to the whole Antonio Brown situation with the baggage that, that came with. And uh, from what the article said, look, it could be true or false. Kraft put the foot down and said, no, it doesn't want any negative press coming that way. So they kind of said, he's out. Well, whether you believe that or not, I don't know. Um, again, when I saw DeAndre Hopkins, I don't like it when I see DeAndre Hopkins because Production goes down big time. You know, it's it's rare it's rare you get like what happened with Randy Moss. That's rare. That's rarity. So don't expect that to happen every day. So even with DeAndre Hopkins, we see him at the moment. He's not shooting the lights out. You know, um, he's injury prone, and he's he's an he's an aged receiver. That he's not Megatron. He's an aged receiver. So it's like, what are you going to get out of him? Don't give him big money. Then you give Judy twenty five million. Will you let Jacoby Myers go? I mean, like, what are we doing? What are we doing over here. What are we doing over here? Yeah. Oh, James, I, I man, I. I feel for you. You sound very frustrated there, I was going to say. Let's uh, let's look at two other AFC East teams, yeah? Like, very quickly. Yeah. I, I was actually this morning about this Dolphins-Bills game, and I'll not name who I've seen it off, but a pretty respected journalist in Europe for the NFL was like, ha, 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 all these people had the Dolphins as their highest team. And like, well, they scored 70 points the week before. They looked unbelievable. And now the, the the cool perception across the league seems to be, well, oh, well, the Dolphins are chokers and two, I can't do it. I mean, do you read too much into their loss against Buffalo? Or, you know, what, what was your thoughts on that game? Not a bit. I thought for large phases of the game, I watched the game a couple of times. Um, I thought for large phases of the game, they were extremely competitive. I thought Josh Allen was absolutely awesome. Like, awesome. Just everything about him. He didn't have 500 yards and six TDs, but he was just so poised. He controlled the whole game. Uh, his connection with Diggs seems to be better than ever. <laughs> sure, it was obvious, you know. And his reaction play in game is unreal. It's like he's if he doesn't get his first read, no problem, no problem whatsoever. I get my second or third read and get the ball out. It's just it's a level above, you know. I just it's a level above, and I just he was on the game that day. I think the the Buffalo defense, which will, which will get stronger now, mind you, with with uh, with Von Miller coming back, um, looked sharp in, in in the second half, and I don't mind because. Miami Dolphins, no matter what you say, when you put up 70 points the, the week previous, yes, you're in confidence, but you're not as, how do I say, I wouldn't say sharp. Sharp is the wrong word I'd use, but there's probably something in your subconscious where you're saying, yeah, we're expecting this to happen again, but you're going to Buffalo. You know what I mean? So the conditions are way different. Obviously, there's chalk and cheese, and Buffalo came in hot, highly motivated, probably had people in the public, whether in Western New York or across America, saying, Dolphins could put up 50 here, and you guys could put up 14 here. So the their cause for motivation was was heightened way higher. Um, but then again, trip it back. Dolphins were competitive. Their next four game stretch is Giants, Panthers, Patriots, and who else? Niners, is it? Yeah, they, 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 
I think they've got the Niners in October as well. Like I think they've got the Niners towards the end of that. Uh, and then they've got the Chiefs in Frankfurt. Yeah, they've got the Chiefs in Frankfurt on the fifth um, of November. They've got the Eagles, and then they've got they haven't got the Niners. They've got the Cowboys in, in December on Christmas Eve. How how are all of us boys going to persuade the the other half to get to get that nine o'clock Christmas Eve? I mean that's no that's problem. dangerous. No problem. Just, just, just mark my words, right? Have the work done if you know what I mean before that. <laughs> on Christmas Eve. <laughs> the credit card, my friend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah. So my point is, I, I think the next four game stretch, um, by any means, well, I don't know. They're three and one right now. The next four game stretch. Much as I hate to say it, they're they're probably looking at like a. If the Eagles turn them over, which they might six and two, seven and one record, all good lads. Like there's no no cause for concern. And at the end of the day, like things really heat up in December, January, so there's no cause for concern in Miami. But if, if I was their fan, I wouldn't anyway. Mark, we should get this lad on some Miami podcast and calm everyone down. Sounds good. Kulabula. Well, yeah, you know, because you know, like I had the Dolphins up. I picked the Dolphins to win the game. I had, I said you had to because they were after putting up the seventy points. Way to go, Josh Allen. You know, like I had mentioned in power rankings, how it lingered that week one performance against the New York Jets for me. And this finally wiped it out and probably put me the other side now. I can't wait to see him in London this weekend. We're so lucky that he got there healthy and all that goes along with it. But like, he, you know, like, what a marker to set down. Like, we were talking this day last week about like, how do you respond to the energy of a 70 point win? The Bills had to overcome that. Look, they were lucky that it was at home or whatever. Fortunately, you know, it obviously bounced in their favor or whatever. But, like, he looked absolutely insane. Like, absolutely insane. It's like, I, I have no worries. And you're right, James, obviously, to mention how, like, the Dolphins, not that they can get right. I th- still think they're phenomenal def- or f- phenomenal team or whatever. It's not like I'm going to change my opinion after one loss. But I, I feel like they are going to go on a run of games. Maybe they'll take a backseat because we're not going to be seeing them in prime time and stuff. Like you said, like who's going to be watching the Giants and Panthers kind of uh, as, with as much interest. I do want to see how Mike McDaniels continues to develop the offense as more and more people see the tape. But something I'm really worried about is that Teron Armstead injury. Like he looks like he's gone with the knee and he missed four games last year. And I'm sorry, I should have done my homework better what exactly happened in those games not completely sure uh, I, I think that would have been one of the two a con- the second concussion I think was in that spell I, I think it came in that spell I don't have it confirmed because I just didn't get the time to check it out earlier on but I, the point is we talked about how Tua wasn't getting hit through the first three weeks he had that jujitsu training so that he could learn how to fall better but I think like it has to be on the radar now that this was always likely that there was going to be, as the season went on, that there's going to be players banged up and it's going to come into focus more. And like Tron Armstead, like if your left tackle is gone and players are able to get to two, it's like, can he remain healthy? You know, so yeah. I, I, that's that's the biggest concern. And it's a, an extremely real concern for well, Miami it, now. It absolutely is because I think um, like Tua has had his fair share of injuries, especially in Alabama. I think he came out of his final season with a dislocated hip memory serves me correctly. So it's not it's not as if he's 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 a void of injury, but the thing about him, there's certain quarterbacks you put in that bracket and you go, yeah, he'll get injured throughout the year. Do, do you ever have that feel about certain quarterbacks? You go, yeah, he'll get injured. He will get injured. Yeah. And two is, I'm afraid, I hate to say it, I'm not wishing injury on any man, God, but he's one of the guys, those guys, you'll say, yeah, you're going to miss a couple of games, whether it's through concussion or 
you know, shoulder or hip injuries. Like, and I think, I, I think it will knock a lot out of Miami with two. And I didn't say it's not. And sometimes you go it's systematic, but no, we're after spending time talking about Josh Allen and other quarterbacks and what they can do with the impact of their team. And like, in fairness to Tua, as much as I hate to say it, a division rival and Josh Allen the same way, they're very, very good. Now, Tua is not in Josh Allen's league, in my opinion. Josh Allen is top, top three or four, in my view. But Tua is, he seems to have tools, you know, for long-term, long-term tools, if you like, to, to get up get up the levels. And yeah, if he's if he's not on the, on the field, Miami take a step back. But look, let's, let's hope he doesn't get that way. As I said, yeah, I don't wish injury on, on anyone. But again, that's the secret of the... Big issue with NFL guys is keeping your, your best players on the pitch. I mean, you lose your left tackle uh, for for a left hand thrower, not simple. Will we? Uh, you uh... know, one thing before we move off them is like the defense is going to have to step up a bit more. Like, and yeah. the, the offense has been absolutely winning Miami games. Like, that's all we are concerned with. That's all we've been really paying attention yeah. to. But like the whole Vic Fangio thing, and I know we talked about this before the season began so I know listeners are aware but like Vic Fangio has he got off to a flying start once upon a time with San Francisco years and years ago but like other teams like he's Chicago is a slow burn with his spell there um, and then with Denver I know he's the head coach now but like the offense never hit a stride like his whole thing is that the defensive backs are supposed to give so much time for the pass rushers to get there that that's how they create the sacks was like they're they're like bottom ten in the NFL right now in sacks and no sacks whatever whatever number, but like I want to see the defense go and win a game, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't have faith in the in the defense right now, and it's like when you want to be seen as one of those like absolute legit like a Dallas or 49ers, we're gonna say those two units are both top five in the NFL. The Bills have a unit that could be on either side of the ball be seen as top five. Miami isn't quite there yet. And look, I'm a huge fan of this Miami team this year, so I don't want to seem like I'm jumping off the ship after one game. But I do, that's that's one thing that I'm paying attention to. Can this defense improve? Mm-hmm. And they have to prove it. You know, the reason, yeah. the reason you mentioned Niners and mentioned Dallas and mentioned the Bills is because they prove it. And it's, it's, it's consistent consistent proof. And I just, we haven't got that off, the, off Miami just yet. But I, I get the feeling in Miami, it still, it still feels like in... An early door situation, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I feel like as the season goes on and we get through obviously the bye week for, for them, um, things will start rolling a bit, a bit hotter. Because when you get into December and, and, and January, defense have to turn up big time. You can't be allowing over 40 points against the Bills or, or the Niners, these teams, they'll just they'll crucify you. If uh if you like, please say if not. You mentioned Zach Wilson earlier on, and I felt like you had a some sort of thesis to, to write about it. Do you want to end on Zach Wilson? Because genuinely, James, it's something that we didn't really get time to talk about whenever we were on the Jeff Rainbow show and we've 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 actually already recorded our podcast for week five because it's Mark's birthday in case people are wondering. <laughs> we're, we're, we're 40 minutes in. We're, we're safe to say that. But like, you know, Wilson played. Was, like, was I able was to good. change Jeff Reinbold's schedule? Is that what you're telling me? I mean, I didn't know I had that much sway. No, I, I, you, yourself and Jason, I, I don't mind asking, but I didn't know that I was able to change Jeff no, Reinbold. I, I, I was saying like, just like with, uh, with Jeff and Monday Night James, it was like, we focused on the Steelers and what happened with them. We talked a bit about the Cowboys and actually talked a good bit about Bill Belichick and his sort of future. Um, you you made some really good points on Zach Wilson there. I, I thought that Rodney Harrison was was wrong to call him out on Sunday Night Football and sort of say what he was. Um, he, imp- he had a very improved performance against the Chiefs. And one thing that we have not talked about at all, 
the refereeing decisions in that game were uh, intriguing. But obviously, disclaimer, I'm a fan of an AFC, AFC West team. So, of course, I'm going to say that. But he played better, man. Like, I mean, he, he's definitely definitely helped grow his confidence this week, you know? Yeah, I have to say, like, I suppose, off, off the back of last week, um, you know, he had one good drive against the Patriots, position in a touchdown. He screwed up on two fourth downs near the end of the game. Some of his decision-making was horrendous, really bad. And it's like, you know, how is he going to build in that week? And in fairness to him, I will give him some credit, right? He did play, he played solid. He played solid, but... In those big games, in you have to produce. First of all, you have to produce the basics well. Do the basics well. So on the snap, you can't fumble that. The game is there. You can't fumble it. You cannot fumble that ball. You're doing so well to get your team in that position. And you fumble the ball and it's like, oh, God, it's a huge error. It's like a mental error. But for me, with Zach Wilson, I just don't hold him in the, in the same regard as other quarterbacks because, as I said, I explained earlier, I just feel like sometimes he's the maker of his own downfall. And like if you look at even the... the uh, the opposition, even the Chiefs, uh, the cornerback, what's his name again? He was a rookie last year. He did an interview in his locker. I can't remember his name, but I guess. Oh, you Christ. Uh, Mike White? Uh, no, not White. You know, he's talking about Sars Gardner, or have I? Don't I am. No. The Chiefs, he's a Chiefs corner. Oh, but Chiefs, five boys of Jack. He mentioned about Zach Wilton always going to his first read. Do you know I mean? Going to his first read, and they use that against him. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I, I thought that was very interesting that a quarterback at this league, at this level, is, you know, I suppose, that blatant, if you know what I mean. And then, interestingly enough, then I heard another one today, the Seahawks said the same thing about Daniel Jones, <laughs> that he goes to his first read a good bit. So, it's like teams are mostly picking up on this. The level of detail is awesome. But Wilson, look, he did good. He's, he, let's, let's, let's put it this way. It was a building block for him. He's to go do it again now. It's just like the Miami defense we're talking about. It's consistent proof. If he goes back a step this week, you know, or, or, he, or he's, he, he's, uh, his goal is, is undone. So he's got to keep building. Because ultimately, they've, they've paid enough for the quarterback position, guaranteed money in that in that franchise. They can't get anybody else, so they have to roll with him. I think the public know that. The head coach knows that. He has what he has. He has the tools that he has. So if, if he can make a good, you know, stab at this year, I think he'll find himself in a different roster next year. I'm not, I'm not saying number one position. I'm saying number two position. I don't think he'd be in New York next year, but I think he can find himself a different roster if he can produce a solid, solid year. A bit like a, you know, Marcus Mariota type job. If you know what I mean. A, a I yeah, look, that's for day for Mariota or for I guess Sam Darnold is in forty with the Four Niners now with Carson Wentz. It's like if I saw him coming even close to my team, like that's a pure nightmare for whatever team wants to take him on. <laughs> Well, let's go in behind someone. I know, you know, it's different because Rogers came into his situation this year. But if he goes into someone else's situation whereby you just know there's no hope of him getting in, I think he might just go in and transition quietly. If he go, for example, like if he went to Buffalo, you know, I don't think to be a word said. Honestly, <laughs> don't because Josh Allen carries such a large shadow. It's just like Jalen Hurts. I think Mariota was the Eagles. Did he? I think he was the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, so he's going in behind Jalen Hurts. There's no there's no a dicky bird about him. Because <laughs> Well, if they won like the West on like week fourteen or the, 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 the NFC East in like week fourteen, you might you might see you might see you might you might see him for one or two weeks. Who knows? We'll see. I'm gonna bank that Zach Wilson content and keep it for next year whenever you called it and he's ball up or someone will be like, remember whenever James Cal said that? Um James, are are you gonna watch the game on Sunday? Bills Jags gonna make a game on Sunday. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I'll be in full NFL mode again on Sunday. Catch up in every game. 
But I always, I usually, I usually always watch the division rivals, anyways, Mike. You know, so that's, that's why I thought that's why the Bills and Dolphins was a game of choice, and then the Jets and the Chiefs, obviously, just because I always start to see how they're doing. If we lose, I hope everyone else loses. But no, of course, Buffalo won. <laughs> um, I it'd be, it'll be interesting to see how many Brady jerseys are in London on Sunday. Now, look, uh, James, we will pick you up at uh, half three in the morning, and we'll get you over to the airport. We will sneak you in the Tottenham and nobody will know any different. But uh, here, good crack, boys. Good crack. Uh, James, uh, obviously, folks, you can listen to James every Wednesday and you can follow James on social media. I'll put his X account. I'm I'm never going to be used to saying that in the bio. Mark, thanks so much. Happy birthday to you. But James, thank you so much, sir. We will chat to you next week. Have a good one. Have a good week.